Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. We have some exciting things that are going to be happening at the Investing for Freedom podcast. Um, We are doubling down on the podcast this year. I'm working on some things behind the scenes right now. We're going to start doing some investor dinners in different cities this year. We've got six different investor dinners coming to a city near you. We're going to do Phoenix. We're going to do Austin. We're going to do Salt Lake City. Uh, There's a couple others that we're finalizing some details on. But if you're interested in one of our investor dinners, text the word DINNER to 480-531-7519. We'll get you on a list and we'll let you know when we're coming to a town near you. Um, these are not going to be, you know, expensive dinners. These are going to be dinners that we put on just to bring in speakers, um, just talk about investing, goal setting, all of that. Um, and again, there's probably not even going to be a charge for these. So if you're interested in the investor dinners, text the word dinner to 480-531-7519. What's really cool about that, when we're in these cities, we're also going to do some live recordings with guests in those cities. So I'm working really hard this year to bring you the best of the best guests that we can possibly get. Um, As you've noticed, maybe, maybe you haven't noticed. Um, If you haven't noticed, then I'm telling on myself. But, you know, we started this podcast in 2021 and we've been very consistent ever since. I never missed a Monday. I never missed a Thursday. But recently we've, um, you know, had some, I I guess we've been a little sporadic at times, but I've worked really hard um, behind the scenes to get the team in position and just to make sure that we're not putting out episodes just to put out episodes. So um, the consistency will be on going forward. But one of the cool things, like I said, about doing those investor dinners, we're going to start doing live interviews um, with our guests across the country. And, you know, I'm just blessed to live in Austin, Texas, because there's an amazing, amazing community of people that live here. Um, we could probably do an episode every week for 52 weeks and never even need to go outside of Austin. Cause that's just how amazing this place is. But that being said, um, the, the guests that we're lining up in these first three cities, Salt Lake, Austin, and Phoenix are going to be phenomenal. So really excited for, you know, what we're going to do with the podcast going forward. I appreciate you continuing to listen, continue to show up and support. By the way, if this podcast in any way has brought you value, I would really appreciate it if you would share it, leave me a five-star review. If you think it's worth five stars, share it with your friends, share it on Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Um, because I've just gotten so much amazing feedback and I know that many of you are out there listening, but if I don't hear from you, um, I don't know you're there. So I love you guys. Appreciate you. Let's get into the show today. So we are going to air some clips from the King's Table podcast. If you have not been listening to the King's Table podcast, I encourage you to head on over to YouTube. This is a podcast that we launched a couple months ago. Um, we did air some episodes on the show, but now it's only on YouTube. Uh, this is with me, Maddie Aitchison, Ashish Nathu, and Aaron Amuchastegi. This has been a lot of fun and the feedback's been great already. Our YouTube channel's growing. So head on over to YouTube, like the channel, subscribe to the channel. Um, one of the reasons why we decided to do this on YouTube, um, was because we want, um, to grow the presence on that platform because it offers so much ability to communicate with the audience via the comments. And we're going to start doing some more live broadcasting and that kind of stuff there. So um, I hope you enjoy these clips. It's, it's just been a lot of fun. Like I said, love the show. Head on over to King's Table Podcast. Give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. I would appreciate it. And thank you for just continuing to support the show, the Investing for Freedom show, the King's Table show, wherever you're finding us. 
Love it, love it, love it. Let's get into the show. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. The next topic that we really want to talk about is the power of a brand. But while we're on the concept of fake news, I think everybody's woken up the last, you know, let's call it five years, really the last couple of years since COVID. When we, when you think about like Tucker Carlson and when you think about what even Vivek said when he was on the show a while back, which again, for the audience, if you have not listened to the YouTube um, video podcast of us with Vivek, you should go listen to that. But I think there's been an awakening around the media and, you know, you can't trust the media, fake news. But what's interesting about what you just said, Maddie, and you said, I don't know how it ties together, but I think it actually does because there's something that we know as humans, what sells like positivity is not something that everybody's like, you know, getting excited about it's negativity. And it's like the downside and the media knows that. And they've known this for years, like, I mean, hundreds of years long before any of us existed, but I think it ties together well because as so many content creators have become the news for so many people, we have to be careful. I mean, there's an awakening around that whole concept of who told you that, like who freaking trusts CNN? Nobody. But also we got to carry that perspective into the people that we're getting news from, including us. You got to, you got to check, you got to check that. I actually made a comment on one of the previous shows when that, that first popped up that 40 some percent had been bought. And I made the statement. I said, I have not verified this. I just saw it today. Of course, our attention's drawn to that stuff, but you got to go verify this stuff and put facts together. And on, on the front of even with the personal brand, so, so many people are getting their news from someone that they think is smarter than them on the personal brand front, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Um, and you should verify for yourself. I heard a stat by Eric Sue, who's a marketing genius. Um, do you guys know who Eric Sue is? Mm, no. He's got an amazing podcast called Marketing Secrets, but he's one of the top marketers out there. And like four years ago, he made this statement. He said, you know, back in the day, and I remember this because I used to run billboards and yellow page ads and everything in our plumbing and heating business. And there used to be this stat that it took seven to nine impressions. So there was an old statement in marketing called top of mind awareness top of mind awareness. So you had to get in front of your, you know, customer seven to nine times before they would even notice. And so we wrapped our vans, we had billboards everywhere. But Eric Sue made this statement. He said, we're so bombarded by information in the information age that it now takes, they're saying somewhere between 21 and 32 impressions for somebody to even be able to like pay attention to you. And it makes so much sense because we're bombarded by so many people and so much content. And so, you know, on the topic of fake news and as we shift and we can stay here for a minute, if you want to, Aaron, I don't know if we close the loop on this, but as we shift 
you know, from fake news to personal brand, it's such an important thing because who are you learning from? You know, where are you getting your news from? Nobody trusts CNN anymore, but we've got to take that same question, that same curiosity and that same who told you that into who we're getting news from on social media. The, your point there is pretty interesting. I hadn't heard the stat of like 21 touches. I buy a lot of stuff from online ads, right? I sell a lot of stuff from online ads and like email marketing. And, you know, we send it, but you think about, I, yes, if I think about now, how many times I'm seeing the email or seeing the ad before I actually buy, it's a lot. Part of it's because if, if you're looking for any sort of product in particular, and you click on the link first to think about it, now you're going to get nine competing products that come up. We talked about hair plugs last week. As a result, I get a hair plug ad. I click on one. Don't worry, I don't need hair plugs. I just need to figure out what color I want it to be. The, I click on one of the ads. And then after, within minutes, right, I'm getting like six or seven comparable ads. So it totally makes sense that you got to be in front of way more people way more times. Because the other thing that technology is doing is as soon as you show interest in an HVAC contractor, it's going to give you seven others that you should be thinking about instead. So yes, it totally makes sense. You got to do 2021 or 21 touches or 50 touches or however, or the amount of emails that we're sending to actually convert people to sales. We're getting a lot of people that are signing up for these webinars. We're not converting the high percentages that we thought and reminding them. We probably need to email them another 15 times to remind them, hey, we're still here because now you've done Eight, eight, now that you've done 10 webinars from 10 competitors, we're still the best. Maybe we were the first. You need to remind them why we're the best because if they're looking for real estate software, they might be looking all over. I want to, as we go into power of the brand, my quick comments on it, and I want to hear, and I'll let you guys take over, right? But my mission, we're talking about end of year goals. But my beginning of the year goal, when everything was kind of in shambles and things were changing, I was at, I was at an event, I was at a GoBundance event. And I was talking to Bo and he's like, and I'm like, I don't really know what I want to be doing next year. I can't be doing as many flips right now. And, but I talked about our two friends. I talked about Cody Sanchez and Brandon Turner. And I said, you know, the amazing thing that those guys have is they have this huge, huge following on YouTube, on Instagram and on Facebook. And, you know, and, and Brandon had told me some stories about like DocuSign paid him to do a story about using DocuSign to close a deal. Right. Like the, and he even said, this is a paid ad, but here I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on the beach using DocuSign to sell a house. Right. Like, but the, it was this realization that if you have a big enough brand, you can sell anything. And if your company goes to zero, you can pivot quickly and sell something else, which Brandon has done really well, which Cody did it when, did when she started with a newsletter before she got focused into like what her niche really, really became, which was the buying, uh, you know, buying, you know, mom and pop businesses, that wasn't how she started when she started that newsletter. And when she messed, when she, when her and I were on a Zoom, she's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting this newsletter. And as it was starting to grow, you know, as she's doing these different things, but what she had done along the way was built this brand. Both of them has built this brand when they're like, hey, we are hosting an event, a high dollar event. They sell out within minutes. They sell out within days. And I found myself in January when that's what I need. Because what I've learned, I mean, I've learned my whole life that like, that our businesses come in cycles. It's unpredictable. But it was this realization in January that what I really needed was to build up my brand, figure out who I was. Now, part of that was figure out who I am. What do I have to offer? What makes me unique? And I did some calls and stuff with like Jason Drees and some other people. It's like, what do you think of when you think of me? Like, what is my brand? What are people looking for uh, with me? So you figure out who you are. 
then also going, if I can get 20,000, and before the call even started, how are the sales for my mastermind going, uh, for my inner circle? They're going great, right? But they're going slower than I would like them to. But if I get another 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people that are listening to my news every day, that are listening to my real estate tactics, it's going to be that much quicker to be able to sell. Because a certain percentage of my followers are going to sign up for inner circle. A certain percentage of my followers are going to sign up for Propoc. And so the, imp- the importance of a personal brand really, really hit me 12 months ago and couldn't be more true today. Because if you have a bunch of people that follow you and will listen to you and they trust you, right? And they stop fact-checking you because they trust you so much, which is a problem that we started this conversation with. And you can sell anything and you can start a new business out of nowhere. You can raise money for something. You can find something. I think it's probably the most valuable asset we have and something that I hope some of the younger generation as they're having so much fun on social media and building, it's that realization too, that man, I, I think we've said before, we're really lucky that there weren't, you know, cell phones that we could take pictures super easily when I was in high school, you know, the, because it'd be a lot. I mean, I have plenty of bad stuff on my, on my record anyway, but the personal brand is super important. Personal brand lasts forever. And the things you do today will affect how you get to do business later. I think it's the most important asset we have. And it wasn't always like that. What do you think, Maddie? I agree. I mean, I have somewhat of a personal experience with when I was doing my six-figure flipper, you know, and this was when I was heavy flipping courses or flipping houses. And then, you know, just through demand, people saying, teach me, teach me. Then I created a course and I created a mastermind and kind of like an accountability group and community. And that season of investment in my personal brand for the three-ish years that I kind of really was building the brand, built up a digital team around it. I mean, that got me on stages. It got me investment opportunities of people saying, hey, I can't you know, flip this house myself. Can we partner on it? It gave me lending opportunities to lend money out on it. And it was really all centered around the root of my brand. And people just truly going, I like you. I mean, I've had people you know, respond to, I raised a couple million bucks for... Um, green coffee company. And I think I probably spent a total of 10 minutes on setting up that, that campaign with my team and making sure everything went out. And that converted into some stocks that, you know, made me a significant amount of money. And I remember getting on a call with one guy, the one guy that wanted to jump on a call with me and he asked a couple questions and he's like, cool, I'm in for 250. And I was like, wait, what? And that was so shocking to me. And I was like, you don't have any more questions? And he's like, no, man, I've been listening to you for three years and following you on social media. I know how you are with your wife and your kids. And I've seen your track record of what you say and how things have played out. Like, that's all I need to know. And I'm like, wow, like that was, that floored me. And so when you think about, right, what Aaron is talking about with the Cody's and, you know, the Ryan Pinedas and the Alex Hormozis, the people that are consistently putting themselves out there, adding value. And I think Alex Hormozzi has released a couple of videos recently on this that I actually really loved because I think it, it, it's speaking to a point that's really important right now, which is kind of geared in this lane of authenticity. There's so many people that are going, what should my brand be? 
and they're trying to fit themselves and their brand into something very specific they think the world wants or needs versus just being themselves. Like he was saying, if your brand is like, he's like, my brand is I talk about my calves. I talk about working out. I talk about like weights and gym. I talk about business. And there was like one other thing. And he's like, and that's my brand. And he's like, and somebody else's brand might be, oh, well, I'm a realtor. Well, you're a realtor, but maybe you're a parent. Maybe you love the UFC. Maybe you love X, Y, and Z over here. And that's your brand. And people that resonate with that are going to feel so aligned with you because you're just being your authentic self. So instead of trying to build a brand to be what you think the market needs or what other people want, I, I think that's a, a good you know, caveat to add to your curation list as you think about building your brand and going, be more of who you are, but then of course, think strategically and how you can fill some of the gaps you feel like your particular brand might be aligned with. So for me, I'm with you, Aaron, this, you know, this year, as I went heads down the last four and a half, five years on building out the hotels, a lot of it was behind a computer screen. A lot of it was in meetings and in rooms and on site at the hotels. And I kind of got away from my personal brand a little bit. And I will say this, I quit getting calls to get on stage. I quit getting calls to get on more podcasts. I got fewer and fewer opportunities brought to me. I had less and less people knocking on my door. And as I've started to ramp that back up again a little bit, because I'm relaunching kind of my brand and a commercial real estate investment and mastermind focused all around commercial real estate investing. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting a lot more DMs. I'm getting more and more people saying, you got to connect with this person. I think within one post, I had eight or nine people ask me to get on their podcast. And all of that was just because of my personal brand. So if you were to think about planting those seeds, watering those seeds. And ultimately, if you do that consistently over a long period of time, 12, 24, 36 months, you're going to look up at your metaphorical farm of, you know, crops that you've been tending to that are going to be bearing fruit. And so it's a long-term play, I think. I think all of us, right, are in this for the long term and have that type of mentality of the crock pot over the microwave. But I think now more than ever, I wrote this down. I was going through my old journal and some of the things, and it's funny, the first thing I opened up when we were talking about this today was it says the right community and relationships are a cheat code for life. And so one of the big things that I'm focusing on this year is building and investing in community and connection and relationships and value and a piece of that is obviously going to be, you know, intertwined with my brand. But I just think now more than ever, people, and this could be tied to fake news. Who do you get your news from? Who do you get your mentorship from? Where do your opportunities come from? Who's influencing you? Who's, you know, inspiring you, challenging you? A lot of that is going to come down to your community and who you're surrounding yourself with. And Ultimately, who you decide to align with is often going to be timed or, you know, uh, associated with 
what brand do you feel most aligned with or what personal brand do you feel most aligned with? So now more than ever, I think people are choosing who they surround themselves with, what opportunities they get involved in or not involved in. And ultimately, you know, what they think they want to do going forward and the decisions they're making based on brand and or personal brands. And now more than ever, I'm paying attention to how mine is being curated and also who it's being aligned with and also who I'm adding value to in that process. But I think to prep up the predictions, I'm going to share a story that happened that I think is really significant. Um, we went to use some of our software a couple of days ago. And our lead system wasn't working. Our, a section of our website wasn't working. And we're like, why isn't this working? I sent it to the programmers. I'm like, have we been hacked? Like it's, it's providing zero likely to defaults, zero in like these certain areas. What's going on here? And so him and I, the last couple of days are like, we're digging in. Why isn't this connecting anymore? Well, so the, one of the places that we get our data from is First American Title. So I start emailing them. Guys, what's going on? We can't connect. Nobody's replying back to me. I'm like, this is, it's not cheap. I pay them like $36,000 a month for this data feed, right? So it is not cheap. Uh, and I'm like, my data feed's broken. Why isn't anyone calling me back? Why isn't anyone emailing me back? What's the problem here? And, the, and then we look today and then you go to firstamerican.com and their website's down. And we're like, wait, their website's down? And then I do this Google and there's all these things. And so what I searched was First American title down. Six days ago, all these articles, First American suffers cyber, cyber attack, potentially delaying deals that have shut down their entire system and website. First, and then another article, First American Financial takes systems offline after cyber attack. First American takes IT systems offline after cyber attack. So the, they weren't even able to notify us, right? Their emails aren't working. Their website's not working. They weren't even able to tell us that our feed wasn't working. I had to figure out from online. And I'm thinking about one, how important this is because so much real estate transacts over the next month, really not the next month, over the next three days. We're going to have more happen in the last week of the year than we have like the prior four months in the year. All these transfers that are happening, I've got some closing docs behind me. They keep messaging me and they're like, are you going to sign and send those over before 3.30? I'm like, maybe my podcast comes first. But the, um, <laughs> so I don't know how many millions or billions of dollars it could cost, but it's too short of notice for someone to be able to actually switch title companies and close something on time, especially if nobody can even access email with First American. How many buyers out there are emailing First American going, where are my closing docs? We were going to close today and they don't even realize the email's down. Agents are going, I don't know what's going on. Like the, they don't have a way to like make the announcement out. Really, really wild. And you think of, they're a huge, huge company. I would say biggest title company in the U.S. would be my guess. And if not, they're one of the top three, but I'd say they're probably one of the biggest in the U.S. Getting brought to their knees. Nothing's working inside their systems. They can't make deals happen uh, without those systems. What do you do? And really, if those can be taken out, it reminds me of a month ago of the casinos in Vegas getting hacked. And there were several of them that were taken down and they had to pay the, the hackers like a, a ransom to turn their systems back on. And one of the hotels wouldn't. So then all the room keys stopped working. And then their slot machine stopped working. You're like, wait, slot machines aren't working and room keys aren't working. No one can get into their hotel room. Those are major, major attacks from giant, giant companies. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just not a good sign, you know? And I think Matt, what you brought up, and I'd like you to like follow up with it is just this concept of all these things that we've talked about, about how like in this technology world, how vulnerable we actually are. 
and then and then I think we should try to jump into predictions after and and you know I think Mike you'll be able to tie into your modern banking and some of those other things we wanted to hit but um but you know but hackers and it's significant to me it's a big deal with the casino it's a really really big deal with first american and it makes me wonder what's next and it also makes me like I don't know feel less secure with stuff Yeah I just I always find it interesting I mean every year there's somewhat of a new threat right that as the world evolves and technology has really accelerated the challenges, opportunities and challenges that come with technology. But it's funny, right? I think there was, I forget who it was, but somebody did a really good job and they put a lot of work into kind of tracking down this trail of essentially a lot of the, and I forget what what do they call it? Um, There's like a formal term for it where it's like, essentially the programming that they're putting stuff out there to kind of desensitize you a little bit to it. I'm blanking on the word. Like word. Indoctrination. Yep. Essentially. Right. But it, it, it was like, they, they're, they're just planting the seeds and, you know, seeing how people respond to it, react to it somewhat, it subconsciously gets consumed, but it's not really anything that consciously we're worried about on a day-to-day basis. But this individual went back through, I think it was like 80 or 90 years of history. And essentially a lot of the big kind of black swan catalyst type events. And again, this is going off a little tinfoil hat wearing. And yet this person was really well-spoken. They had all kinds of data and articles and even at events, you know, Klaus Schwab and other big kind of influential global policy setting organizations and leaders, stuff out of Davos, stuff out of, you know, World Economic Forum, all of these different things. And essentially a lot of the stuff that they had been planting seeds on, or we need to protect against this, or this is going to happen or whatever, a lot of that stuff happened two, three, four, five years down the road, but a lot of the kind of policy that came out of it was almost them telling us how they were going to do it and respond and seeing if there was really any true uproar, pushback, backlash. And it was very interesting to see all the way up to COVID. They essentially said COVID World Economic Forum, if you go back and look at a lot of their data, actually said, we're preparing for an outbreak and something like this is going to happen at some point in the time. Well, now the new conversation is around cyber grid, uh, cyber security and power grid attacks. And when you think about, you know, how critical law and order is to a society and to the security of a society, when you remove heat, power, water, Right. A lot of the things that electricity and our power grid, you know, keeps online for people. Um, If that goes out the window, I saw and they put this on. I just pulled this up really quickly um, on World World Economic Forum and how, you know, blackouts um, and, you know, power grid attacks can really be a threat to humanity and society and to all these things. Well, the WEF has been talking about this more and more for the last 12 months. And they're starting to, I'm seeing more and more articles now starting to come out about it. Predictive programming, that's what it is. Predictive programming. So they essentially start making predictions or talking about things. They future pace you to something that is most likely going to happen. 
and um, and they're trying to essentially program in your subconscious and your psyche how you should feel or think about those things if and when they happen. So anyways, long story short, there was this little article and it just basically says a six hour winter blackout, six hours winter black blackout in mainland France would result in damages to households, businesses, and vital institutions totaling over $1.5 billion every six hours, and that compounding and growing exponentially. So when you think about that ripple effect, let's just say, and that, that's just one central area of mainland France, right? Which is nowhere close to as big as, let's say, America or some of these other countries. When you talk about some of the potential threats, it's and this it, to me, it just says, man, I have no freaking idea how I'm going to, you know, change or fight against this from happening. What's going to be is going to be, but what do I need to do to make sure that I'm getting my house in order, right? Do I have a backup generator? Do I've got, you know, some propane gas stacked out in the shed? Do I have the bare essentials to, you know, push through some of those things? Because, you know, unfortunately, 95% of people that, you know, are just living day to day, grocery store, you know, visit to grocery store visit, water, you know, depletion to the next time they got to refill it, or they're getting it out of their fridge or whatever it is, right? If that goes down, most people are not prepared in any capacity on how to one, protect themselves. And most importantly, right, protect your families, protect your household. Um, so those kind of things make me a little bit interested, you know, um, I guess, intrigued to see how they're going to play out because this is one of those predictive programming narratives that I'm starting to see gain some more momentum. And I'm curious in six months, if we look back, seeing if, you know, this episode was one of the beginning kind of spotlights on that narrative, maybe getting a little bit bigger and bigger. And I'd be curious, guys, drop down below in the comment section. What is some of the predictive programming you have seen in the past that has played out as that kind of narrative was, you know, on, on the path of, and also what are some of the things that maybe you're hearing or, or paying attention to yourself? Drop that down in the comments below because the more aware we can be, not woke, but the more awake we can be, I think the better um, we can be prepared to not only protect and survive, but also to navigate in, you know, certain challenges that big events that we have no control over create, um, to come out ahead of those. And, and that's, I think, something that, you know, I don't want to be sitting on my hands going, oh, I wish I would have done this. I think it's, I'd, I'd rather prepare for the worst and, and hope for the best and, you know, be able to capitalize on both. It's such a good, it's such a good tie-in to what we're talking about next, which is predictions, but also what we were talking about before. Because Aaron, as you're saying this, I mean, those were kind of like the bookends of the spectrum, but when you look at like what happened to first American title. And I think the thing that you were saying before we started recording is like first American hasn't even really like you had to dig. And the only reason mm -hmm. that you even really knew about it was because you're being financially impacted by the fact that it's happening, you know, and, and Maddie, you bring up the extreme versions of it, but you know, for the audience that's like listening and I say this all the time, like, so what, you know, well, like, how do I apply that? And this is why I think this is so important. Karen and I were just talking two nights ago, you know, just back to the brand building and, and all of that. I remember sitting with, um, um, who's the guy that started Organifi? Um, do you, do you, do you remember his name? Mm. Drew Canoli. So I was sitting with Drew Canoli in a, in a mastermind in 2020 and they were spending $500,000 a day on Facebook ads. 
And Facebook shut them off. That's crazy. Just like that. Yeah, 500 grand a day, Organifi. Now, here's the thing about the world that we live in, and I'm going to tie this all together here quickly, but you know, whether it's First American getting hacked, whether it's hackers you know, shutting down our power grids so that semis can't get to the grocery stores, whatever it is, Drew, I sat there listening to Drew, and I realized in that moment, there was this whole conversation going on in 2020. So back to a personal brand. I mean, even if you build your personal brand, we have to be careful on these platforms because we don't own that audience. Aaron has to be careful you know, with First American because the data that he's tied into, he doesn't own it. And we're such a interconnected economy now, not just the United States, but the entire world, that whether it's the grid getting shut down out of malice and, you know, destroying France for six hours, whether China does it or whether it's hackers that are doing it for money or whether it's Facebook that just comes out and tells Drew overnight, we shut down your ad account. They wouldn't even tell him why. And what it came down to, it was like, it was like 45 days it took them to get their account back on. And what had happened was Organifi was making claims around that Facebook said were false because Organifi is, you know, a supplement and it helps you sleep better. It's turmeric, but it's nothing that's proven by the FDA. So Facebook said they were making false claims and immediately overnight, their revenue dropped by like, like a hundred million dollars. I was like, if they're spending 500 a day, their revenue dropped quite significantly. It was insane. And the thing that, you know, one side of the audience is probably sitting here listening to this saying, well, that's why I'm not on Facebook, but it's not just about Facebook. And I was telling Kara two nights ago, I started to say this, but we're advertising, we're using an advertising firm um, that's advertising to accredited investors. And we're getting like a hundred leads a day. They're solid leads. It's going really well. When we talked about the cost per lead, you know, if you get a hundred leads, you're probably closing one or two investors. That's a pretty good return on investment. But I told Kara the other night, she's like, how's it going? Cause we just switched to HubSpot, which is another reinforcement of this. HubSpot was Super down on Friday. Too. It is expensive, but HubSpot was down on Friday and one of my sales guys couldn't get logged back in. And we missed like 45 calls that day because he couldn't get logged in mm. on a shared platform. It wasn't even hacked. I don't even know what their system... I got on with support. They couldn't get him fired back up until Monday morning, which was Christmas. So it doesn't matter if it's your CRM. It doesn't matter if you're running Facebook ads. It doesn't matter if you rely on the grocery store for your food or in Aaron's case that it's first American. This is a real world problem that applies to everybody because we have got to be wargaming this stuff out. And I'll close with this on this part. I told Kara the other day, I woke up and I realized that the majority of my lead flow as good as it's been and as easy as it's been is tied to Facebook. And I wake up four years later and after like Drew's story is like resonating in my brain and I'm like, Oh my God, as good as this is going, if I say one thing wrong and Facebook shuts me down for a month, I literally lost my Instagram account last year for like two months. Couldn't get it back because they said that I was impersonating somebody. I'm like, I'm freaking me. Like there was a whole bunch of people impersonating me and they shut me down. So I think this is a real world problem that we've got to be paying attention to. And I don't care what business you're in. If you're listening to this, you know, whether it's first American or it's your food or whatever, this is the future. And when we were talking earlier, Maddie, you said like a black swan event. When we were talking about how everybody's excited, the thing that was going through my brain 
who knows what could be the thing that derails us in 2024. And it might not have anything to do with interest rates or real estate. It could be, it could be something completely different. So we've got to be wargaming this stuff out. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.